Hello and welcome to this week's episode of No Crying in Baseball, the Patties at the Beach episode. Hey everybody, I'm here and I am Potty Mouth doing Patty's usual intro because she decided to add a triple B for this weekend instead of just doing beer and baseball. She's doing a beach break with beer and baseball and I know she's following along because we got some crib notes this morning, but I would like to welcome our special guest, our West Coast correspondent, Deborah Farrell. Hey, Deborah, thanks for joining me. Hey, Potty Mouth. I am so happy to be here talking about the men's baseball playoffs with you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I totally appreciate that. And I've got to say that I really appreciate having a West Coast perspective because I think people have noticed that I'm a little East centric. So I think you're a good balance for my upcoming incredible enthusiasm about the situation that the Red Sox are in right now. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about like how you've connected to the show or what what parts have have spoken to you about your own experiences with love and baseball? Absolutely. Uh, Well, Patty and I have known each other for, uh, well, let's just say a really long time. Yeah. (laughs) And we have always shared a love of baseball ever since we worked together. And uh I was an avid listener to this podcast from the first episode. I remember your first boyfriends, oh, the first wow. generations of boyfriends. And uh, I'm just really happy to, to be, I'm like really honored to be part of the show because I've been a huge fan and uh, and also an avid player, but generally not a good performer in the fantasy league every year. Oh, I totally appreciate <laughs> that. So you've got the, the baseball boyfriend thing down that we're going to be talking about in a little bit of time. Your yeah. personal experience with the baseball boyfriend situation? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I've been a baseball fan since I was a kid, and my first uh, my first baseball boyfriends were maybe really the entire 1980 Phillies roster, nice. but uh, especially Mike, Mike Schmidt and Greg Luzinski. Uh, of course, you probably all know Mike Schmidt, maybe the best third baseman ever to play the game. And uh, about him, Pete Rose said, to have his body, I'd trade in mine and my wife's and I'd throw in some cash. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty a, good. That's a great, that's probably the best <laughs> Pete Rose quote that I've ever heard, really. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe like, it's a thing that made me like Pete Rose just a tiny bit more, which I don't like Pete Rose actually yeah. all that much. <laughs> I hear you. But uh, the other one, maybe not as famous, Greg Luzinski, uh, he was a big guy. I just remember being eight years old and watching this big dude come up to bat and everybody being afraid that he was going to hit a home run, which he usually did. Uh, He was the hero of the 1980 NLCS. And I... Full disclosure, I did not know this when I was eight years old, but he won the Roberto Clemente Award, which is, of course, a huge boyfriend Oh, totally. So that's a a uh, good sign. And he's from my motherland of New Jersey. He's from Medford, New Jersey. And he went after his career. He he coached scholastic baseball and football. And uh, the thing that won him the Roberto Clemente Award was that he was one of the first players to buy seats at professional games for kids who couldn't afford. That's awesome. Couldn't afford to go. So that would get the patty stamp of approval, I'm sure. So now that I live out West, I did have a brief dalliance, you'll be delighted to know, with the Red Sox, the 1990s Red Sox when oh. I was in college. So yeah. the Ellis Burks and, and, and Mo Vaughn years. But now my heart belongs to the Giants. And didn't they do great this year? 
Yes. And I totally look forward to running down more about the Giants with you because that was definitely a team that was too far off of my radar and ended up doing incredibly well. And even when I was following it, you know, we'll talk about it for for this week, that I didn't recognize half these guys. So look forward to hearing more about the Giants. It, despite their, their color scheme, you know, just gets me a little bit because it's the Orioles, but... I can, I can oh, deal with yeah. that. Oh, yeah. It's confusing. <laughs> yeah. But you have any exceptions there on the Giants? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just noticing Gabe, one that there's yes. a little note here that I think I'm yeah. supposed to ask about. Yeah. Gabe frickin' Kapler. Right. So, But more on him later. Okay. We'll get there. Yeah. And, and, and swearing is allowed and, and encouraged <laughs> on the show. If, in case you want to go onto the potty mouth side, though, you know, if you want to be, be patty sub, I totally get that. Uh, before we go on, I just want to give a shout out to our buddy Ollie because you, he, he came to visit DC and Patty and I got to go out to eat and have a couple beers. Actually, we had some cocktails. He had some beers, but it was really fun to chat with somebody that we've been, um, chatting with online and somebody who's listening to the show and he is of course very famously the the author of the q harstat that's the quality hair above replacement that we have embraced so much so fun to hang out with ollie anybody else coming into the dc area hit us up on social media you'll get all the stats at the end of the show I hear it helps if you send a case of beer in advance. Yes yeah we also do accept cases of beer absolutely all right, I'm going to throw uh, Patty's regular duties over to you right now. What do you think? All right, that sounds good. On today's show, we have postseason boyfriends. There's only one that really counts in this episode, and we will hear all about him from Potty Mouth. <laughs> uh, more postseason moral dilemmas. Being a sports fan in this day and age is not an easy thing. We have an update on the Austins. We have a police blotter. And winter baseball. Woohoo. All right, we've been throwing around the boyfriend name. So if anybody is hanging out with us for the first time, welcome. We talk about baseball boyfriends. These are the guys that we would hang out and have a beer with because there's something cool about them, because we identify with them in some way. And Patty and I spend the entire off season choosing one dude per team because there's something special about him. And and ideally they're a good player as well, because then we draft our fantasy leagues from this group of baseball boyfriends. But the fun thing to do with these guys is to check in on them throughout the season and now into the postseason and see how they're doing. It's important to note that we have to choose new guys every year because that way we have something to talk about in the offseason. But I especially have a hard time letting go. So I think a lot of my talk today will be about technically a former baseball boyfriend of mine, but they stay near and dear in our hearts. And so, Deborah, I know that you, you've got the basic feeling of what a baseball boyfriend should be and what are the qualifications. And I would love to hear about a guy that is special for you. Sure. Well, um, I did a bad job picking baseball boyfriends <laughs> this year because I don't have, I have only one boyfriend that remains in the postseason, And be- even before that, even in the last round, I think I only had two. So, uh, apparently, um, you know, I, I need to work on that a little bit. Actually, Patty, Patty drafted all my players this year. And thank <laughs> you, Patty, because I was not ready in April. I was still in pandemic mode and Patty drafted my whole team for me. Thank you, Patty. Wow. That's uh, awesome. 
But in late June, as the Giants were starting to turn heads, I drafted a guy who had been traded to the Giants from the Twins, uh, who was not really, who he had only been up for a cup of coffee, kind of old for a prospect, and his name was is Lamont Wade Jr. And he did not disappoint, because after I drafted him, he went on to have an incredible season. He got quiet in the postseason, but... He in in between then he earned the nickname Late Night Lamont, which was uh, which was because he taught he hit the most game tying or go ahead hits in the ninth inning in the last forty years of any major league baseball That's player. That's crazy. Isn't which that probably means that I stuff? missed a lot of those because of West Coast time. That's right. Late Night Lamont, hence Late Night Lamont, which he actually um, I just one of the things that makes him such a great boyfriend is. He's like really humble, and he was like, "Well, you know, I'd rather be early game Lamont, but I guess late night Lamont is okay." <laughs> like he just wanted to be a better hitter. I love that. But the alliteration works much better with late night Lamont. Everyone so. agreed that late night Lamont is the better nickname. Um, he's also just a great guy from a seemingly great, hardworking family. His mom and dad are retired retired postal workers. He's from Owings Mills, Maryland. He's a terp. He went. Uh, he. Um, he went back uh, during the pandemic and worked with his old college coach last year while he was he went, just went and lived with his parents during the pandemic. And he worked out with his old college coach and like worked on his hitting approach and wow. uh, had this breakout season. And I actually think that happened to a lot of guys this year. There's a pitcher on the Giants, too, that uh, I forget his name, but he like moved in with some other Venezuelan baseball players in Florida and they were playing sandlot games all during the the um, all during the pandemic and after not pitching above a ball he pitched um, he pitched in some high leverage situations for the Giants in the late season season Kervin Castro that's his name but anyway oh, he's maybe okay. a good boyfriend for next year so Kervin Castro keep an eye on him all right but so so Lamont Wade Jr. he just did fantastic and um his mom and dad are retired postal workers, and uh, his mom plays competitive ping pong. She's like <laughs> a champion ping pong player, and she missed the NLDS, like missed coming to it in person because she was in a championship. So, like, that's amazing. Yeah, you totally have to respect that. That's yeah. great. You, yeah. And then the, there's something about, like, competitiveness, I think, that goes through families. Like, if you get yeah. competitive parents, that's yeah. going to that's gonna trickle down. Yeah, Power to her. Sure. And we're always all about the moms. Like, that's a huge baseball boyfriend plus if there's, like, yeah. some mom connection because, you know, yeah. Patty and I sort of met because we're moms. So Yeah, yeah, it's great. And his mom actually was in the stands when he hit a, um, I think, a go-ahead home run against the Astros. And um, it was a splash hit, which, if you're a Giants fan, means that it goes all the way out of the park, doesn't touch anything else, and goes into the water that's behind the stadium, into McCovey Cove. Uh, which that's is why, so cool. yes, and that's why Buster's home run that was so like great in other ways missed being a splash hit because he hit the tower. So um, anyway, Lamont Wade hit one a splash hit and it went right, right over his mom's head. She happened to be walking around. <laughs> she was on the arcade, and so the the camera that films the home run caught her reaction close up, which is awesome. It's just that great. is so cool. I, yeah. I and I didn't know the term splash hit. Like I feel. You know, a oh little bit gosh, more knowledgeable yeah. now. They have a counter at the park and everything. Yeah. I got to get there someday. Yeah. It's okay. I forgive you all. <laughs> <laughs> it's why I, you have me. 
I appreciate that. Well, that, that's why we need a West Coast correspondent. We've got to get like clued in on all this stuff. There's a yeah. lot going on I don't know about. But I, I got to say, so the, the guy that I'm going to go into next um, came to us from the West Coast. Well, you know, most recently that he was playing for the Dodgers. The only Dodger that I have ever liked. Ah, the only, the only Dodger, one. The only Included. Dodger I've ever... Well, okay. The only Dodger I've ever really liked. Like, I wanted him for a boyfriend. Like, I picked Chris Taylor because, you know, whatever. He seemed good. But but Kike I genuinely liked. So this is the Kike corner, and Kike is Kikeing ass. Kike Hernandez. <laughs> I am feeling like this is my one vindication as feeling like I have a little bit of, I don't know, luck or cred or whatever for this show. Because I went back and to find out when I had actually picked Kike for a baseball boyfriend. It was in episode 21. So this was like one of my very, very early picks. And... It, the, the stuff that I had said about him, then go back and listen to that episode, folks. I don't actually I haven't done that. So it might it might totally suck quality wise. But <laughs> there's some fun stuff about him. Like he started with the Astros, which I think is hysterical. And also I'm going to link or I'm going to ask Patty to link in the show notes to an episode that he was on in the bold and the beautiful uh, soap opera. Mm. From 2016. So, so much fun with Kike. But now the rest of the world is totally joined the Kike Club because he's so, so, setting... So wait, so wait. You're saying you liked Kike before liking Kike was cool. Exactly. Right? I liked okay. Kike because, well, actually, the first thing I found out about is that he had hit three home runs in the postseason on my birthday. And that was like some record way back when in 2016. And then I also found out about him dressing up as a banana in the dugout and like, you know, quality (laughs) things like that. I definitely picked him for more of instinct than any actual careful look. Although I did look at it at his stats a little bit because he had sort of like a killer year in the beginning. I think it was 15. And then his dad got sick and his numbers went down. And, you know, shit happens like I think we always have to look at players like humans and when when there's trends that are going in the wrong direction there might be a reason other than the fact that the guy is not able to play so Kike clearly has come back from that that dip back then and luckily his dad did too he's okay um but with this postseason he set a couple of of game span records so until yesterday the big one was the 13 hits in a four game span which was the most in a in a postseason four game span the old record was 11 and now it's up to five games and he had 15 hits in five games which is the most in a five game span for the postseason i thought an interesting thing with the with the four game span was that in that time he also had been on 29 bases. So he'd covered 21 bases, which tied Reggie Jackson for the Mr. October, right? For the postseason record. That's incredible. I, that's those, those stats are just incredible. Like, yeah. I can't believe it. Like he was a role player on the Dodgers. Like, yeah. it's just really just amazing. Well, and that's what I love, you know, so, so when he came to the, to the Red Sox, it was like a dream come true for me, clearly, because the Red Sox are my passion. And so for him to come over was amazing. But part of the spark was his relationship with Alex Cora, who I have, you know, it's been a mixed feelings about, of course, because his his issue with with when he was on Houston and his involvement with with that and then plus on the Red Sox. But I still like feel this just incredible admire admiration for Cora, especially how he is such a people person 
And he's known Kike Hernandez since Kike was 10 years old. And he, wow. they have a relationship and he made Kike an everyday player. And Kike clearly is able to do that. And the funny, you know, of course, they, they got him in as a second baseman and he's amazing in center field. And we just need a Kike clone because, man, I want him in center. He plays the whole fucking outfield. Like he is covering for errors on both left and right by just doing mm. amazing backup. Uh, all right, what else? He tied the Red Sox record of five home runs in a postseason, and he's still going. So maybe, and, and one of those those ties was with David Ortiz, who didn't know four and 13. So Kike's still going. He's going to be the Red Sox record holder for home runs in the postseason. Clearly, he has an incredible sense of humor because um, he his sack fly clinched the ALDS and at that point, Christian Vasquez was on third base, and they subbed in Danny Santana as a post as as a runner. And Kike <laughs> said that that like just relieved a lot of pressure of him at the plate because he knew with Vasquez there, it was going to take a home run. Like a, a sack mm-hmm. fly wouldn't do for the catcher with the wobbly <laughs> knees, right? But with mm-hmm. Danny Santana, he knew that he could just do a sack fly, which is which is what he pulled off. And then um, they they lost, you know, game one of the championship series just recently against that Houston team. And Fox did was doing their Fox thing and, you know, doing stuff while the, the rest of us should be watching the baseball game. So they were interviewing yeah. Dusty Baker, which I, I love stuff like that during games. I love to get more info and I love the interviews, but not when play is so important. And yeah. so... Kike hit a home run while they were interviewing Dusty Baker, and Dusty said, I blame Fox for that. When you do an in- in-game interview, something always goes wrong. Dusty's right on point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Kike, so Kike's my guy. I'm so excited. I'm going to watch Bold and the Beautiful later today. I want to watch lots of Kike highlights. I want to get a Kike jersey, which I, which are sold out now <laughs> to surprise to nobody. So at some point, I want to do it. But my other guy on the Red Sox this year. So I had an issue with picking a Red Sox player for my baseball boyfriend because we have these rules and we didn't pick anybody f- who is possibly involved in cheating from 2018. Cuts out a lot of people. I cut, I picked a guy who was in the minors, never came up. I got Frenchy Cordero shipped in, um, but then he didn't make the postseason. At the very end of the season, they acquired Jose Iglesias after he got dropped from the Angels. And they, they acquired him in September. So it was after the deadline in which he would be eligible to play for the postseason. But Jose Iglesias was actually my this year's pick for the Angels. So I was super happy to see him come back to the Red Sox because I remember when he was there for the big 2013 year and a couple years before. And he is another one who just clicked with, I think, the Cora clubhouse with just that atmosphere. And he loves being in Boston. So, like, for, for comparison, with the Angels, he was batting 259 average, 295 on-base percentage, 375 slugging, 670 OPS. With the, how many games? Let me count. 23 games that he played with the Red Sox. At the end of the season, he was batting a 356 average wow. with 406 OPB, 508 slugging, and 915 on-base percentage plus slugging. So just that 
that boost is incredible. And yes, it's like when the, the pressure's on, but we saw him in that final game of the season against the Nationals where he was key in getting the Red Sox home field advantage with winning that game for the wild card, which is key in the Red Sox advancing. Because if they hadn't had home field advantage for that wild card with the Yankees, I, who knows what would have happened. And the, wow. But the best thing about Iglesias is even though he's off, right, he can't play with them for the postseason, he's traveling with them. He's in the dugout. He is the laundry cart driver officially. So when the Red Sox <laughs> get a home run, they take a ride in the la- laundry cat- cart down the uh, down the dugout. Keep, uh, uh, Jose, Jose Iglesias is the one pushing that laundry cart down. And Cora actually said that he's gotten better at it, that he almost hurt Kyle Schwarber when he did it the first time. <laughs> but like now he's better with the laundry cart situation. But not only pushing the laundry cart, he's watching the game and like a coach. Like he's paying mm. attention to what's going on in the field. He's pumping up the players. And he actually sat down with Christian Arroyo after he had a poor bunt and went through the video with him and told him to move to move his feet to 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 not move his feet to not move his feet back the way that he had been doing and then Arroyo managed to do that ninth inning sack bunt which was key in in clinching the the division series so it, having Jose Iglesias there is super super cool and he is a Adorable, like be, I'm going to drink to that because he is so adorable. There's the best picture that I'm saving as my like what I need to have a smile on a sad day picture of him and Kike together with arms around each other, just grinning. And I will share that Aww. with anybody who wishes. So just just hit me up on that. Thank goodness tech support arrived, and I can drink too. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Also, total side note. I have to say, especially when I watch the Red Sox, but really uh, anytime, it is your pronunciations that I hear in my head oh, funny. of all the players' last names because it is so <laughs> unfailingly correct. Uh, in 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 my world, it's like Hall of Fame announcer John Miller and his correct pronunciations of all players' last names, and you, you're right up That's, there. That is very sweet. I, I try. And, I, you know, that reminds me of one of the things that Patty wrote to us this morning, because my dad, I'd been, my dad has a serious Boston accent. I like mine comes out after heavy drinking, I guess, and like key phrases. But I was talking to my dad the other day and I told Patty this and dad was like so excited about Schwarber. And he goes, you know, that Schwarber, he's a wonderful batter. And I was just like, oh, my God, I want, I want that as, as, like, recorded for the podcast. And so Patty says, like, whenever she sees Shwaba, she thinks of my dad. I also, I, I don't know your dad, but I think of I think of you and possibly him when I hear Shwaba. <laughs> and Shwaba is up. actually from Waltham, Massachusetts, which is also all shades of awesome. But anyway, <laughs> we should probably give... I should try to let you give like a little bit of West Coast time to my monopolization of the podcast for the Red Sox. I'm taking advantage of the situation. Kike totally counts as West Coast. Okay. I would claim Kike. So, but I want to talk a little bit about my Dodgers boyfriend this year, which I'm pretty sure was on that list of players that Patty drafted for me um, because I never heard of him before. But then all of a sudden he was the only player doing any good for me in fantasy. Uh, and that is Chris Taylor. Uh, ugh, he's a Dodger. He's a fucking <laughs> yeah. Dodger. I, I know the feeling. It's like the West Coast Yankees, right? 
And he's got like really sexy defense, which was not awesome in the NLDS. Like he right. had some really key outs in the NLDS. Uh, but you got to respect. Um, and he saved my ass all this year in fantasy baseball because he turned like 26 double plays, which allowed me to just barely hold off the leftovers uh, and even <laughs> overtake them at the end of the year. I could That's not. That's Mr. Potty Mouth's team. <laughs> I, uh, I know that. <laughs> That's hysterical. I, I could not overtake Potty Mouth. Uh, and uh, but. But I did, and and he was always hitting. I just, you know, I don't really follow the Dodgers, obviously, but like I follow the fantasy league, and I would just look during the games and be like, shit, like yeah. he was three for four, he was four for five with three double plays, like he was just nails for me. So, um, and he played every day, even though I gather from the playoffs that he's not an everyday player on the Dodgers. He's a sort of like utility slash bench such platoon platoon player anyway uh, boy did i pick a lot of non-contenders so there's that i know the feeling <laughs> i totally yeah. know the feeling uh well, back on back on kike for a minute though because sure. I, I know that's hard for you but if we can pivot I'm, back to so kike happy to go for back a minute to kike at any point in time go yeah did you, i follow this amazing writer grant brisby he's the giants he, he is the giants he shares the giants duties at the athletic and he's super funny. And he posted something on Twitter that, like, they didn't put Kike's name up, like, during one of those early round games. Do you, do, can you say more about that? Because I only saw it on a tweet. Uh, like, it was, like, blank. And it, it was a very funny tweet. He had a very funny gloss on it. But I was like, man, that's disrespectful. Wait, wait, when was this? Like, how long ago? Like, like during uh, the ALDS, during the Rays series, I guess he hit, you know, in one of those games where he was building up that great record, he hit a homer and they put a stat cast like graphic up, but it was like first name, last name. That's right. Kike Hernandez. Yep. Yeah, the, the the very famous first name last name, and and so first name last name is now known for having like really good stats because yeah. of that fuck up. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, how, like that's too bad that they, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. So it, he's he's clearly like able to get the attention back. He's good at get, getting attention. So I think he's going to be able to like yeah. supersede that and they and will learn going. his name this yes. year. <laughs> yes, know that name. <laughs> so we should continue, I guess, talking about West Coast stuff. So I, I got to say that we were we were all texting you and me and Patty during the mm -hmm. Giants Dodgers game and the last game of that series I was just, I couldn't stay up. You guys were still watching baseball. You know, I'm on East Coast time and had to work and stuff. And I went to bed thinking, you know, the Giants are going to win. It was just, I just had this feeling that was clearly wrong. And then I woke up to like this just harsh reality that apparently you guys had to watch and live through with the whole check swing situation and... Yeah, it was Yikes. yeah, it was an amazing game, I have to say. It was just an incredible like it was everything that you want a, a double elimination game to be, <laughs> a game 5 or a game 7. Like yeah. nothing nothing well into the game. I can't quite remember how, but it was, you know, like far into the game before any runs were scored at all. I think the Dodgers only s scratched one across. No homers, I don't think in the game. Um and uh, well-known closer Max Scherzer got right. the save. <laughs> right. Which is one of those, like, I love Max. I hate seeing him in Dodgers blue. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm happy yeah. for him. But it was a shitty like last pitch, right? Or I it mean, was I guess- a shitty. It was a shitty last pitch, but I have to say, uh, and I, I'm probably, I don't think I'm alone, but I might be, uh, you know, in the minority of Giants fans that like, you know, so a month ago, there was this epic series with the Dodgers that was um, in early, actually, two months, almost two months ago now, in early September, it was the last time they were going to see each other. The division, like the division record was riding on it, or the head to head record was riding on it. So they were nine and nine. And, like, their stats were incredible all year. Like, same number of runs, same number of wins. Like, just all, if you could just go, went down the line of stats, everything, they were equal. And so um, in one of those games, I don't know if it was the last one, but in one of those games, the game ended, or let's see, they had a, a blown check swing call on Darren Ruff, and it okay. went the Giants' way. And like it was pretty, it was well agreed upon by everyone, including Giants fans, that it was a bad call and that it helped decide the game. And so I feel like the check swing calls they giveth and they take it away, take yeah. it away, you know. Uh, so I feel like, yeah, it was clearly a bad call, but there were so many moments in that game when the Giants could have done other things. There were so many things they had been doing right all year in terms of manufacturing runs. There was another bad call in that game on Chris Bryant, the the famous like six ball strikeout. <laughs> um, oh really? Yeah, yeah, in the fourth inning, and he would have walked with Brandon Crawford on. It would have been two on with nobody out. So like, you know, I mean, I think even in all, all the way from little league or pee wee football, you learn like it's your job to take the umps out of the game, right? Like you you if you do good enough that their calls aren't the deciding factors that's you've done your job that's right so that's kind of what I feel like and that's certainly what the Giants are saying and I actually kind of believe them like in their even in the immediate post-game interviews you know even Wilmer Flores who I think is really cool he's a very sweet guy I'll always remember him standing on the field and crying when he thought he was being traded uh, a few years ago from the Mets Um, and he just sort of like quietly in his interview was like I I didn't go and then they they asked him why oh. he didn't they, they asked him why he didn't argue with the ump and he was like you that's you don't do that like what can you say to them that's right. like that's you know it, it, it's just like I love the Giants yeah <laughs> so much to love about them yeah so anyway it was an amazing game it was an amazing season that those the series back in early September felt like postseason baseball 100%. So I feel like I've already had a whole postseason <laughs> before the postseason started. And, uh, you know, obviously I wish they would have won and advanced, but they're definitely coming back next year. All their guys are young. They have some big contracts going off the payroll next year. Um, they have this amazing closer now who just came out of nowhere, Camilo Duval, great Qhar. Great personality. He's got that wild thing energy a little bit like the first time. (laughs) The first time he he came in in that series in early September with the bases loaded on the Dodgers and the first pitch just sailed over everyone and hit the backstop. (laughs) But it worked out. It worked out. He calmed down. (laughs) He calmed down. Nobody scored because it hit the backstop so hard it came right back. (laughs) And no no one could score and then everything was fine. But but yeah, they're coming back next year. Uh, you know, they're they're going to be fun to watch next year. Cool. All right, I'll hang in there. Looking forward to it. And and uh, Patty had had mentioned, is it Logan Webb? 
Is that yes, the picture? Logan Webb. Yeah, yeah. He's a homegrown giant. Um, he, let's see, he signed with them in 2016, went through the minor leagues, lost a year because of, um, of substance, PED substance, so that's not mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, but, you know, he came back last year. I guess he, I didn't follow baseball. I am a little bit embarrassed to admit during the pandemic, so I guess I, he had yeah. a good season last year. It was not a real season. <laughs> But uh, but this year, you know, he started the year, like, maybe in the rotation, maybe not. But by the end of the year, he was, like, the unquestioned ace of the staff. And, you you, you know, if you watched the NLDS, you saw he pitched game one and game five and was just great. So, All right. and he seems like a good kid, too. He seems like, you know, good guy. A former football quarterback, so he's got that, uh, oh, you wow. know, quarterback energy. <laughs> quarterback turned pitcher that's i guess it's, it's the guy who's going to control the game right uh yeah yeah that's so cool all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to the uh, american league <laughs> situation here and the red Sox going through the alds and now into the alcs and the the funny thing about it is that they're on this juice circuit right because they beat Tampa at Tropicana Field, and now they're at Minute Maid, or well, at least they're coming back to Fenway now. Also, folks, remember, we record before you hear us, so we're recording this officially on Sunday, so the the ALCS is tied up at one, and the NLCS is now one to nothing in favor of Atlanta, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment, but you, you know, I mean, the Red Sox are in, and I didn't think they were going to be in, and I am so excited, and after they lost game one, which was a tough loss, and talk about, like, a Kike Hernandez moment, that was Kike getting them within one run in the ninth inning with his home run, and then nobody could do anything after him, and so we all felt kind of shitty after that, but Red Sox notes on Twitter has informed us that the last three times that the Red Sox lost game one of the LCS, they went on to win the World Series. And that was in 04, 13, and 18. So I am holding my hopes high. Uh, That Friday night game, the first game of the championship series was the one where Chris Sale, like, I don't know. I'm concerned about Chris Sale because he is obviously trying and just he made it a little bit further this time and and maybe he can hang on and and get through the rest of the series and maybe pitch again and maybe get to the world series but i'm terrified and i'm terrified on a couple of levels one is just that his past four outings have not been the usual chris sale and the other one is he i wish they would just stop having a close up of his face because he looks fucking terrifying he was so scary and just so intently staring into the into the screen and and patty called him strasburg steven strasburg's evil twin like they look kind of similar with the with the beard situation but i think that sale looks like downright possessed i just don't <laughs> i don't want to watch him when he's pitching like i can't look at the screen i was just too freaked out so I don't know. I don't know what to do about that. I really hope that's kind of that... how I felt about Max Scherzer in Game Five. Right. Like, Please look away. Look away. Yes. <laughs> that and that's exactly the parallel that I was thinking of because Scherzer definitely has that "don't fuck with me, don't come near me, don't even try to take me off this mound" kind of stare. <laughs> and and Sale had that same thing going on. But I was like, oh, buddy, somebody's gonna have to come take you off that mound. And God bless <laughs> Alex Cora, who like somehow went up there and and pumped him up while taking him off like it was a good it looked you know from the 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 visual of it like a good 
mound conversation and he got off the mound and he had to get off the mound. But, oh, my God, scary, scary situation. Uh, game two, when the when the Red Sox won, I just have to say that, hey, you know, there's another record. There's a record for that. They're the first team to get two grand slams in the postseason. And I think as this, maybe this will happen again in the future. Someday somebody else is going to get two grand slams in a game. But that the Red Sox got it in the first two innings was so beautiful, especially because I had plans last night. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to pay as good attention to the end of the game as I could in the beginning. So I super appreciate that. Like they started off with two grand slams, Followed shortly by a home run for Kike Hernandez. So I was like, all right, I got my dose in. I've seen, you know, probably what the best this game has to offer. The two grand slams also came from injured players, J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers. Yeah. I did not know that. They've both been commented on about like, and and you can't have it both ways, folks on Twitter, because a lot of people have been saying, uh, these guys, you know, they're not up to to their usual look, they're kind of injured. But then after they hit the Grand Slams, people are like, well, yeah, what do you expect? It's JD and Rafi. But no, like everybody had been saying, like, they're not doing their usual stuff. So I think it just kind of goes to show that you just never know. And I'm a little, I'm concerned, like, how long can they keep it up? Maybe they're going to heal for the... Hopefully the rest of the series and the World Series after that, but I'm pretty sure that um, I'm pretty sure that in their game plan that night, the top line was potty mouth dinner plans. Yeah, score early. <laughs> I totally and I appreciate that. And then Kike just like had to get into the action. Like he, he waited till the fourth inning, but he's like, I'm gonna do this for potty mouth too. And there you go. That's right. It's all about you. Yep, I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, back to the West. All right. To talk about like like morals. So this is this is where I need a little bit of guidance, Deborah, because Patty is usually the one who keeps us morally aligned. And I may have like blasted off a, a like five f bomb tweet last night about moral alignment because I was just feeling conflicted, and that was on the second <laughs> game. But but you've got yeah. like more stuff on that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I am. Um... I don't think I can be the moral compass in Patty's absence, <laughs> so I'm not going to try. Uh, but I will talk about Gabe fucking Kapler. Uh, yes. Because I'm, I've been conflicted. You know, when he was hired at the end of 2019, I was, like, really devastated because I heard about that thing that happened in 2015 that's, like, inexcusable. I mean, it's just, right. like... Uh, like, that's the whole so, cover-up, right? That that Alex yeah. Verdugo, and this is like my ouch with the Red Sox and Julio Urias, but Julio Urias, yes, right. yep. And so you know they uh, there was a situation with the sexual assault in a hotel room, and uh, you know he tried to set up a meeting with the victim instead of reporting it to the police, and it was just a fucking mess and just fucking really poorly handled. Um, he mm-hmm. claims, he claimed on his own, he, he made a statement when the Washington Post first reported this uh, back in 2019. Um, he made a statement that, you know, he didn't know that it was a sexual assault because he was going off the some email from the victim's grandmother and that it mentioned other stuff and I won't go into that because it's just really like upsetting but you know the Washington Post article will be in the show notes I think um, okay 
the I, I put two Washington Post articles in there, one from back then that has the link to the statement, and then another one from this season, which this is where I get confused because I had just written the Giants off like, oh, they're shitty. Yeah. They just, you know, they just pushed their Hall of Fame manager, Bochi, into retirement because it did seem kind of like maybe they pushed him out a little bit, but not exactly, but maybe a little. Uh, and, you know, and now they hired Gabe fucking Kapler and it just seemed like really bad. And that's part of why I didn't even bother following the 2020 season. But when I tuned back in this year and started rereading, you know, articles in The Athletic and other Giants stuff, their writers, you know, the writers who cover the Giants were like really saying a lot of stuff like, oh, he's worked really hard to improve his understanding of these issues. And he was the only MLB manager to kneel at the national anthem all last year. And so there's okay. all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, can I hear this from someone who's not on the Giants payroll? Because, like, that's totally yeah. your job is to make him seem more palatable, right? Like, and yet, like, they seem, they don't, they didn't seem, it didn't seem like a, just a whitewash job. But uh, then again, I don't know, I'm just skeptical and really genuinely torn. Uh, and of course, then they win all year. So everybody loves a manager who wins. And, and they're talking that he's the manager of the year. And I'm like, really? Like, oh. come on. Like, uh, you know, this is, it's, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, the other Washington Post article that I read, though, which is just from a few weeks ago, was actually kind of, it actually kind of, it moved the needle for me a little bit. Um, and I don't know if you all remember that he hired the first ever MLB level uniformed woman coach. Right, Alyssa, Alyssa Nacken, right? Yes, which um, I uh, I went to a Giants game with my father-in-law this year, back in September, uh, and it was an awesome game. And my father-in-law is so sweet. He always wants to buy me some piece of like like a hat or shirt or whatever. <laughs> he's like he's like let's walk around and you pick something out. And he's just like the best, my father-in-law. So. Um, and we were walking around and we, we saw one of these uh, stands that sells like game used gear. But like I've never seen one of I've never like stopped at one of those before. And I was like, whoa, there's an Alyssa Nacken jersey. And like there's wow. other stuff there. Like there's a Pence jersey and like all kinds of different game worn and game used gear. And like, but none of it had prices on it. So I'm like, oh, this is kind of like at a restaurant when it says as quoted. Um, So, so I'm like, hey, how much for the Alyssa Nacken jersey? Because that's the only thing I would even bother asking about. And they were like $7.95. And I was like, oh, you don't mean $7, do you? (laughs) So, so, but you know, that's as close as I came to buying a game used thing was asking the price. And it's because it was Alyssa Nackens. So anyway, um, that was kind of a digression, but. But it's good that she's, you know, getting a good price, like. That's going to be up yeah, there with. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, and maybe someday if I win the lottery, I'll have a game worn. Honestly, right. that day at the park, we saw a lot of Nacken jerseys. So, like, oh, I that's think, so pe- cool. you know, people, people, Giants fans are pretty cool. And I think they wanted to support, which I know you all have said on this podcast many times, like, uh, why does it have to be so special that there's a woman coach? But it is. And she's yeah, it historic, is, you know. And so anyway, this post article from a couple weeks ago was kind of like focused on interviewing her. And she said she feels really comfortable in the Giants clubhouse. She feels like she's one of the guys. She was like 
you know, spraying champagne and wearing goggles with the rest of them and like really feels comfortable. And I'm like, okay, this is, he's the boss in that clubhouse. Like it wouldn't be happening like that if he was that bad or if he was setting a bad tone. So I don't know. I'm still just really torn. But, and also like I take comfort that overall they seem to be pretty healthy and non-misogynistic. And especially this year, uh, your your boyfriend, Potty Mouth, was quoted as saying there are no pricks in this clubhouse. Okay, wait, and which one? Mauricio Dubon. Dubon, no. oh, right. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. not, he wasn't on at the end, right? No, because he's still really young and, yeah. and the, the infield is really crowded, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, but he, everybody pretty much agrees that he has a future. He's the oh, future. Good. He's either the future second baseman or shortstop. He just wasn't quite ready uh, this year. Um, he came up because there are a lot of injuries, but uh, that's why he was even up at all. So, uh, but yeah, no pricks in this clubhouse, but like, uh, how low could the bar be, right? right? Like, yeah, but that, for me, that's encouraging because Dubon was my pick for this year. So, yeah, that's my, my current baseball boyfriend. And he has such an endearing story. I mean, he's the one Honduran who's playing and just his, his backstory and how he got brought over by like a host family who had met him in Honduras and saw that he was a good baseball player. Go back and I'll, I'll try to figure out what episode that was. But Mauricio Dubon, such a good dude. So that's good to hear that he has a future. Yeah. yeah. Happy for him. So that's my moral quandary. What's yours? <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I was going to say that like we're at this point where nobody knows what the fuck to do with the National League because we have the Dodgers, which is like, you know, the evil empire of the West against the Atlanta team with that fucking chop. And like last night I was oh. watching. So this is game one, right, of Dodgers Atlanta. And it was a great game. And I love the dudes on Atlanta, like Freddie Freeman, the friendliest first baseman is that's what he is. Like, that's our, our, our friend um, in, in Colorado, Blake, named Freddie the friendliest first baseman when he was <laughs> a guest host on the show. And Ozzy Albies, who was my pick, I think, last year or the year before, whenever it was that Patty picked Acuna. Like, the, Max, the Q-Hart. Max Freed, Max Freed, the what? cutest pitcher. Yeah, I yeah. Patty loves Patty's him. like chiseled guy. And Albies yeah. has the, the quality hair of a replacement now. He's got this great do going, and he was adorable at the end with his win, with the mm-hmm. win and run, crossing the plate. But but then the chop breaks out. And this is like where you get to the fan base. And I, I kind of, this is kind of a sensitive topic for me because people, you know, talk about Red Sox fans being assholes. And I'm like, well, not everybody. And I know there's like that situation. and But, you know, not everyone. And I know that's true about Atlanta fans. And I know some wonderful Atlanta fans. But they're doing it on their own. You know, there's there are people that they would close up on in the stands doing the fucking chop. And I'm like, no, this team can't win. I don't want to see this anymore. I don't want yeah. them to play in Truist Field anymore. I don't want to see that shit. It's the worst. It is really the worst. And uh, I thought Boston fans were mass holes. Yeah, yeah, I kind of we are, and and I that is an endearing term. I'm okay with being a asshole in certain contexts. You know, there's 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 the nasty ones that I don't appreciate so much. But man, Atlanta. I mean, I was just trying. I guess you know, from having sympathies with Padres fans and Giants fans all year, this sort of like anti-Dodgers situation. But then they get Max and Trey Turner from the Nationals, so there's that little bit of an angle. And I just think that Joe Kelly is hysterical, and he used to be on the Red Sox, and just his whole vibe, and he, he's entertaining. He's a, I mean, he's yeah. doing well, and he's super yeah. entertaining. Joe Kelly? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of a whole mood. <laughs> he totally is. You know, the whole pouty face thing from last year and stuff. But yeah. also, yeah. The, I mean, I know the Dodgers didn't really win last year because it was 2020, but they did win last year. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just all I can say is is go Red Sox. But the Padres. So so the Dodgers. This is funny too, though. Like so, losing to the Rays last year, and the Rays' whole thing with like how they shake up pitching, and that's always been their thing that they don't really have starters. That they have this whole like pitching patchwork. But now mm-hmm. the Dodgers seem to like have adopted that from the Rays, and their pitching like, situation just has my head totally. spinning yeah, with every game. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. During last night's uh, Hammers-Dodgers game, I was watching the recap, and uh, the announcers were talking about how it was like a spring training game, you know, <laughs> like a different pitcher for the first, I think it was the first four or five innings that, like, each pitcher only pitched one inning. And, uh, of course, they did that to great effect uh, in the game five of the ALDS. In fact, the Corey Knabel, the one who started last night, was also the one who started game five of the ALDS. Um it's just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, and I don't know. So I'm not putting like a qualitative thing on that this yet. Yeah. Like I'm not, I don't feel very strongly that this is a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a confusing thing to me. Like it gets my head spinning. There are a lot of like the old school dudes on Twitter being like, ooh, this is not how you play pitchers and it's not fair to the fans and stuff like Ugh, that. I don't yeah. know. I'm not reading that much into it. I'm just confused. I'm, I, it's, it, but I think that's probably a good thing. Like that's what you, you're doing strategy to sort of throw the other team off. So if I, it works. I, I mean, I have to say, I find it interesting. I thought yeah. it was like, I, I think it's a viable strategy and I think it's, um, you know, I don't really have any attachment to the whole like horse starter thing, like the guy who takes the ball and pitches 150 pitches and pitches a no hitter. I think that's cool when that happens, you know, but like, uh, you know, if you look at stuff like football, like they swap in people, people are swapping in and out all the time. You know, they put guys in for different plays and for special like setups and stuff like that. And just to cross train for a moment, the 49ers are doing that this year with their quarterbacks. And it's this huge thing because you don't do that with the quarterback. It's like, you only have one quarterback. And I think of it as kind of the same thing as the pitcher thing. It's like, whoa, this is not the way the game is played. But like, it's really cool. Like they have one quarterback who's kind of a stand in the pocket and throw guy. And one quarterback who's kind of a run around guy. And it's to their advantage that teams have to prepare for both. So I think it's yep. the same in baseball. It's cool that teams have to prepare. Like you can't just start your right-hander, all your right-handers or all your mm-hmm. left-handers and, and assume that it's going to uh, go your way. But Yeah. No, absolutely. It's a little tricky in baseball, though, because of the whole like not being able to swap people in and out. I think that this this strategy of pitchers as like openers and pitchers for one inning really fucks with the like you know you have to start somebody and then take them out and you can't put them back in because they can go right-hander left-hander right-hander and you're screwed yeah and and if you're going into extra innings you're super screwed you're super screwed yeah all right we're gonna follow up on a lead from patty from last week on the austin theme right (laughs) yes yes there's only one everyday austin who remains in the season one everyday austin yeah, only there there are some bench Austins, but uh, or maybe they're platoon Austins. I'm not totally sure, but um, <laughs> you'll have to tell me about That's Austin awesome. Davis. Uh, and I don't even Austin Barnes is like the distant second catcher behind the 
just totally fearsome Will Smith who just homers everywhere and all at all times of day. But um, the Giants, Austin Slater is out. All the other Austins are out. Uh, but Austin Riley on the Atlanta team, he hit a home run to tie the game last night off of Tony Gonsolin wearing cat fur on his shoes because I guess he loves cats or whatever, but uh, sorry, Tony Gonsolin, that won't save your crappy pitching. Um, he's kind of been, he has had a very tough last month of the season and uh, the Giants were really hoping that they would start Gonsolin in that last, in game, I think game three, but oh well. Anyway, Austin Riley, home, tying home run and walk-off base hit last night. So fuck the Dodgers. <laughs> yes, I know. Just sort of fuck everybody. Oh my God. And those, and those cat shoes, like, you know, the, the whole, like what you, what you're allowed to wear, what counts. I mean, I guess cause the cleats themselves were the right color. You can put that fur on the top. That's just I don't, weird. I don't know how that doesn't violate a regulation. Cause wasn't yeah. there a guy who got dinged for wearing like his flag of his country. Yes, that was that but, was. Um, but cat fur is totally fine. <laughs> right, right. That was that was Cubs Wilson Contreras with his with his Venezuelan flag on his sleeve yeah. because it wasn't the right color. Yeah, that's some sort of sort of bullshit. But you can wear cat fur on yeah. your cleats, which I'm not. You know, yeah. I'm definitely not against the cat fur on the cleats. It's just like I'm a cat person myself. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there, that article that I think is going to be linked in the show notes clearly said that he doesn't have anything against dogs. He just has a cat thing as well. So, All right. yeah, it's like if, if, if we can maybe auction off those cleats and put it to cat rescue or something like that would be a good use of the fur. That would be good. So uh, this is probably maybe the other than Austin Riley, there won't be a lot of Austin updates, I guess, after this. But uh, um, unless unless Austin Barnes comes off the bench or, or who is this Austin Davis? Who's he? Tell me about him. I don't know. I think, I mean, you know, as far as like Red Sox goes, it's some bullpen dude that I have not seen much of and I don't have a really good read on, but maybe he'll save the day. Maybe with these fancy new pitching configurations, we'll see him. Right. Well, especially if sale continues to tank, they're going to have to do some bullpen games. So, yep, maybe there'll be some more Austin action on the East Coast. Right. Right. We could always switch to tracking Garcia's like Jason Stark of The Athletic. So All right. He has some. He has some great pieces about Garcia pitching to Garcia, and then Garcia subbing in, and he had a whole Garcia watch during the. Wasn't he the the, the starter last last night for the the well, Trastros? Well, and, one of one of them was. Yeah, one of the Garcias, <laughs> and like beautiful to watch. Like he has QR, really nice curls. He's got this yeah. like little salsa step before his pitch, but he tanked, yeah. which I was fine because you know. He's, playing against the Red Sox. So I'd love to see more of him, but yeah. Yeah. I guess Pete, Pete Garcia came during the ALDS because of the White Sox and the Astros. There are, I guess, several, several everyday Garcias on the White Sox. So. All right. And then there's always Jerry Garcia. We can just play some tunes and and everybody jam out too. I'm going to take a a quick detour into our um, police blotter segment in honor of Patty. And also in honor of Patty, I'm doing some follow through on a police blotter that she did way back in episode 177. This is how closely, dear listeners, I hang on to every word that Patty says. She was talking about Sam Dyson, whose last, I believe, sort of uh, steady job was as a Twins pitcher in 2019. Although, Deborah, you said that you knew some some background on him too, right? 
Yeah, he was picked up by the Giants, I think, in 2018 as one of their, or maybe earlier, as like a rehab project. They they do this uh, even before the Farhan Zaidi era. They would just sort of like collect pitchers at the beginning of the year <laughs> off of waivers and like, you know, who had been DFA'd and stuff. And they would uh, just, you know, try to rehab them into uh, bullpen pieces. And the Giants don't really use that opener strategy very much, but they just had so much bad luck with closers. Like they had Mark Melanson, who they signed for a big contract, and then he fucked up. And so they would just, you know, try to get like they just the pitcher bargain bin and um, (laughs) just kind of like see who floats to the top and release the rest of them. And Sam Dyson floated to the top and he was a really credible, like either closer or eighth inning guy for a while. But then he just, he faded and then he was injured and they had other younger pitchers who were coming to the top and they released him. And it was right after that, that I think the thing that you're going to talk about happened. Yeah. So what, what Patty had told us about in, in Ep 177 was that he was suspended for all of this year, all of all of this year on d- domestic violence charges. And the charges first surfaced when his girlfriend made sort of a weird Instagram post that somebody flagged and followed up on. And apparently very credible because of a full season worth of suspension. And then last week, we talked about how Mickey Calloway, who had been busted for some slimy, slimy tweets at reporters and general harassment, is now surfacing in Mexico in the winter new winter league of the, of the Mexican Baseball League. So it turns out that Sam Dyson, according to Edwin Hernandez on Twitter, who y'all should follow because he's great for Puerto Rican baseball, he just signed with the Puerto Rican team. So it's I, I'm feeling mm-hmm. a little sick by this trend that we've seen of guys who, you know, that that MLB actually is doing their job on, so they're not playing, and then they get Mm -hmm. signed elsewhere. So I would like to put up this international challenge against assholes to, like, please screen and use character. He signed with the Indios de Mayagüez, which, you know, to, to sort of add insult to injury, they just came out with their new logo, and so they are not doing what Cleveland did. So the Cleveland team changed their name from that, to a better name. The Indios are doubling down on that and they came up with a new logo that also features an indigenous person's face, which is not, uh, should not be a, that's a the logo. Worst. Right. It shouldn't so, be a thing. Totally, totally. Should not be a thing. Not here, not in Puerto Rico, not anywhere. I will continue to follow the, and it's the Roberto Clemente, Clemente League, which I will follow along with a lot of other stuff happening in winter baseball. So folks, check our show notes because I have started my Google Doc, which summarizes my picks for all of the winter baseball leagues, um, along with dates of when they're playing. And some of them have started already. So if you're not a fan of any of the four teams that are left in Major League Baseball, there is lots of baseball happening elsewhere. So check the link that will be in the show notes. But also, a huge shout out to Bill Thompson, who runs words above replacement streaming guide follow him follow chip in on his patreon because he does an amazing job of telling you how to watch so any league that you want to watch in the in the world and you want to know how to do it check out bill's uh, words above replacement streaming guide and i actually happened upon something this morning i got to watch some honkball 
which was super fun. This is the uh, Netherlands Professional Baseball League. And I happened to just, I don't know, I, f- I found a tweet. I followed it. There was a free stream on YouTube. And it ended up being Game 7 of their championship series. So I game saw... Game 7, baby. It, it, you can't. And I, one thing that I've learned from Patty is you do not pass up a Game 7. So despite the <laughs> fact that I probably should have been doing laundry or something or pre- preparing for work... I watched this morning Game 7 of L&D Amsterdam against Curaçao Neptunus. And Curaçao, they are not actually from Curaçao. They're just funded by somebody from Curaçao. And and I very quickly, because I have this like Curaçao thing that we've talked about on this show before, I was rooting for them because of name only. But they lost. And in that one, like one and a half hours that I was watching and became my lifelong fan of Curaçao Neptunus, I felt sad at their loss because they lost 4-2. <laughs> It was disappointing. They had a runner on in the end of the ninth inning, and it didn't work out. Other things that endeared me to this feed were that they did uh, take me out to the ball game at the stretch, and I went ballistic. And Mr. Potty Mouth like came running into the kitchen to see what was going on. They played Sweet Caroline in the middle of the eighth. So God bless the Netherlands Professional Baseball League. They also played some ABBA. That I'm totally behind that. And then at the end, the classic "We Are the Champions." The, the I am not fluent in Dutch at all. I do no, no zero, absolutely zero. But uh, they, <laughs> they had the, the English subtitles auto-generated, and it was a beta version, and it had nothing. I mean, I don't know what ha- it had to do with what they were actually saying. I would love to see a side-by-side with the actual translation, but I got a couple of screenshots that were pretty hysterical. And actually, our friend Ollie of the QHAR fame got a great cre- screenshot about some banana situation. I don't know where that came from, but worth watching. Oh, and right now, and so then I went from that to watching Puerto Rican all-star women play baseball, and right now, oh my God, it is still going on. It is the bottom of the seventh inning. These women have been playing for hours. The South is beating the North, seven to five. Free, folks, free on Facebook. So check out International Baseball. Wherever you may be, there's something to watch. Uh, super quick last-minute announcements. Minor League Awards coming up. You can vote by number f- November 3rd. We will put a link in the show notes. You can vote for offensive player, starting pitcher, reliever, top play, top home run, best feel-good moment, which I love, best blooper, which I, that's going to be hard to be the recipient of that, and the best team. So Minor League Baseball fans out there, vote by November 3rd. And if that is not enough ball games for you, next weekend, you could take a feel trip to York, Pennsylvania, and go to the United Wiffleball National Championship Tournament. Who knew? So check that out. North York, Pennsylvania, we will include that link as well. And phew, what do you think, Deborah? Is this like whirlwind experience for you? What do you- <laughs> uh, this has been, this is so much fun. I have this, uh, thank you so much to Patty for asking me on you know before I had a chance to get scared just to (laughs) do I want to do the show (laughs) I'm so glad you accepted it's it's awesome yeah yeah me too it's super fun and uh you've been a fan of Curacao as long as we've been podcasting together so there's that all right (laughs) there it's a trend it's a trend it's a trend. So make sure that you subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. Potty Mouth, how, do, how can they do that? You can hang out with us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. 
All right. Thank you. So until next week, go Red Sox. Woo-hoo! Yeah, go, 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 go Red Sox. Yes. 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 Go Red Sox. <laughs> go Red Sox. Get your vaccine. Fight the man. Fuck the Astros. And fight the man again. <laughs> Say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. I just I just drank because you said adorable. <laughs> I know the rules. That's so perfect. <laughs>